Hey, everybody. Welcome. Tux Weekend starts now. Awesome. Welcome. So uh, I wanted to start out with um, a little bit of background with you and I. This is uh, pretty exciting for me because we are pretty much total strangers. And, um, I, I'm a, I'm a religious person. I'm born and raised Catholic. And I think the good Lord brings people into our lives, um, for, for a reason. And we stumbled across each other on Twitter and, um, I said, Hey, let's do a podcast. And you said, yeah. So here we are. Um, and we know very little about each other. And so I think this is going to be kind of a fun adventure to, uh, to kind of learn about each other out of the blue um, and and just see where this goes. I agree with that 100%. So, uh, and it, it, I, I find it a little unfair. Uh, I guess you listen to a couple of podcasts, so you might know a little bit more about me than I know about you. But uh, on uh, on Twitter, you are Jay Anxious. Um, I that, don't, is, that is correct. I'm, yeah. not, I'm guessing that's not your real name, but uh, tell, is, tell me about that. That is not my that. real name, though. Um, it's actually a nickname I picked up, uh, from a few people because I'm, I, you know, known to be an anxious sort. Uh, I never really sat down or anything like that. So, um, people just started to call me Jay Anxious and it, it is kind of fitting. So I decided to use it as my, uh, my Twitter, my Twitter handle, if you will. Very good. Let's, uh, let's also start where, uh, where are you at? Where do you live? And uh, all I know is you're in the Eastern time zone. I am. I live in uh, Hanover Township, Pennsylvania, Luzerne County, uh, about two hours north of Philadelphia, two hours west of New York City. Very cool. So um, I'm, I live in Kansas, um, middle of nowhere, Kansas. Our, our town's only about 17,000 people. So a uh, small town boy, and um, I had to drive 15 minutes from my house to get here to the, to the studio where I do this stuff. And, um, so I don't know what kind of world difference that is for you. Not much different. Uh, the town I come from is actually smaller than your town. Um, my town has 9,000 people in it. Um, but the near, the, the suburb that I, uh, the suburb is, is uh, Wilkesbury area or Scranton. If you're familiar with the office, I'm, I live very close to Scranton, about 15 minutes, which there's about uh, 350,000 people in my in my county, if you will. Okay. Did did the area become famous because of the show? Did were there are there people that come there just because of that? Um, I you know what I don't spend enough time in Scranton to know that, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes, there, there is some tourism that has to do with it, but actually the show was never even filmed there. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen the, the whole series a couple of times, so I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or not. I wasted a massive amount of time doing that, but oh, well, what are you going to do? They, uh, they do use, uh, very real places that are, that are there in Scranton, uh, in the show, which is kind of interesting. There are. I have been to a few of the bars and, and restaurants that they do talk about. They are, they do exist. The stuff that they talk about. That's cool. So, uh, let's start with uh, two. What'd you have for breakfast? Uh, I, I do not eat breakfast, so I, I had. I would say nothing. I'm the same way. Just some coffee. Um, so, if you're at a cocktail, I don't drink coffee either. Oh, that's okay. That's awesome. Good for you. Why yeah. not? 
I like it. <laughs> okay. um, uh, that, that would that would just be the end of that. Uh, actually, I try to refrain from caffeine in general. That's cool. Um, it, uh, uh, being an anxious person, caffeine does not work uh, all that well with me. So um, I don't uh, partake in too much caffeine in, uh, intake on my normal daily basis. Uh, I do drink some green tea, but it would be decaffeinated green tea, and uh, I stick with water and a Diet Coke here and there, which is not the best thing for you, but... Uh, I got to find some problems somewhere, you know, to create for myself. Sure. Yeah. My, my dad's the same way. Uh, he loves the smell of coffee, but we'll never drink this stuff. So I understand it. So if you're at a, if you're at a cocktail party and somebody asks you, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you respond? I'm an outside sales rep for a maintenance repair and operations products company, uh, for my daily nine to five job. And, I, for my passion and what I would like to do for a living, I would like to be a consultant, if you will, since I'm not a doctor, to help people rid themselves of anxiety and depression like I've done for myself after a 26-year battle with the, uh, with the illness, sickness, disease, or underlying symptoms of not living a life that you don't want to live. That's what I consider that's awesome. I want to dig dig into that a little deeper here a little later, but uh, tell me about your childhood. Where did you grow up, and um, and what was your childhood like? Uh, my childhood was uh, a very normal, I guess you would say, middle class, uh, middle of the middle class uh, upbringing. Uh, my mother and father are still together, married 43 years. They, uh, they raised us correctly um a semi-religious background uh, we did attend church and i did go through all the catholic upbringing that most normal children in my area were brought up through um played sports uh hung out with friends went to high school popular i guess you would consider me one of the popular kids played football baseball um i had a really good upbringing uh you know family was all, all around um Always had my grandparents around, and they started passing away in my teen teenage years, and uh, unfortunately just lost my last grandmother, who was very important to me uh, three years ago in November. So, um, you know, I have no problems with my childhood. That's awesome. That's good to hear. You know, you just you hear so many stories nowadays of, of people, you know, blaming a bad childhood or, or having that bad experience. And so it's good to, to hear the stories of, you know, it, it wasn't a big deal. It was great. And so, you know, that gives me a little bit of hope. How old are you now? <laughs> I'm 37. Awesome. I, I'm 30. Well, I guess I'll be 33 here in a month or two. So, um, we're, we're pretty fairly close at least. Close enough. Right. So, uh, let's jump into it. What, what, um, let's start with Gumroad. How did you get introduced to that? And what is that? I'm, I'm very new. I just heard about it. So can you explain a little bit about that to me? Yeah, I can. Um, well, I got introduced to Gumroad from buying programs off of other people through Gumroad. Uh, Gumroad is a place where 
online entrepreneurs could put their uh, could put their content and put their ideas and strategies and and everything on paper or in video form or whatever however they want to present their content and other people could go through there and buy it and the only thing you're susceptible to is a small commission that Gumroad takes off every sale. It's a great place. And how were you I guess you you bought a few other ones. What were some of the ones that you bought on there when you were first introduced to it? Um, I started off with, uh, I don't know if you follow or are familiar with at Chronicles of Nate um, through his, uh, now you you are in the life insurance industry, correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, Nate is kind of in the life insurance, but he does it a little bit differently through um, the uh, infinite banking concept. I found that to be very interesting. Um uh, Nate has a huge Twitter following. He's actually killing it, uh, and he's a hell of a nice guy. That might be somebody you might, might want to talk to as well uh, on a future. Uh, but uh, I, my first Gumroad purchase was through was through the Chronicles of Nate, um, and the program is called Holy Shift. Okay. Um, rethinking uh, your money paradigm. That was my first ever purchase off of the Gumroad, and now I have, let's see here, about 20 different programs that I've bought into. That's cool. But yeah, um, if anybody is looking, you could find anything on Gumroad. You know, there's a lot of people who have good stuff on there, a lot of people have bad stuff on there. Um, The best thing that you could do is, you know, take a look. Sometimes they're cheap, sometimes they're expensive. Um. And if you follow the programs, generally you get uh, you get you get better, or you'll improve something for sure. Yeah, I feel like I've I've been through some programs and things, and a lot of times, uh, what people lack or their the programs lack is, is our actionable steps. They present all of these ideas, and they tell you, you know, this is this is how I did it or something. And then it's three, two, one, go. See you later. Okay. Like, what do I do next? And so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, since I bought my last one, I probably won't buy any more because I agree with what you're saying. A hundred percent. Um, now, uh, there's a few books that I bought and, um, the real real change that has brought me to the point where I'm at now, because I just started to, I started my Jay Anxious, uh, Jay Anxious um, Twitter handle about three months ago, um, but the one that's really changed me is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Ted Naiman, uh, the PE diet, that was the one that completely changed my life uh, for the better. Um and I actually began to work with uh, Brian Saunders through the uh, Food Lies uh, Peak Human podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, you being into uh, CrossFit, I'm a, I assume you, you do follow your diet a lot. But these guys are at the forefront, in my opinion, of what will change this country and this world for the better, especially with um, – a lot of the problems with 88% of people in this country being uh, metabolically ill, if you will, or not metabolically metabolically healthy, uh, which is a very scary stat. Um, 
But these guys are trying to help them out, and uh, I've reached out to Brian at, at uh, Food Lies and at um, Peak Human. He also does the Sapien podcast, and I've been following their, the, the lifestyle that they uh, have gone through, and it has completely changed my life. And you said the PE diet, Who, which is the guy behind that? Dr. Ted Naiman. I'm taking notes here. So I can check <laughs> check this stuff out later. Uh, I'm always always open to to new ideas, and yeah, you you said it right. I mean, CrossFit is is curing chronic disease, you know, just one person at a time, and especially with like the COVID thing, that that's the uh, you know the number one factor. the The scariest part about it is how easily that can get somebody who is metabolically deranged like you said that that doesn't eat right doesn't exercise and uh they're the ones to worry about well if you would listen to the peak human podcast the number one thing i don't know if you're familiar with uh ivory cummings are you no i don't think so you say ivory okay Ivor, ivor ivor yeah uh, yeah he's uh he's from the uk i don't know if he's from ireland or or england or not but i believe he's from ireland and uh, Dr. Paul Saladino, they've had a few guests on where, well, Ivor was the guest, but Dr. Paul Saladino has had him on, as has Brian on Peak Human. And uh, the number one thing is vitamin D deficiency. Um, the, the, the amount of people in the world that are vitamin D deficient is absolutely insane. And uh, I recently had mine checked, and I wasn't in the... Well, because I eat so much meat and I consume liver and all that stuff, my vitamin D wasn't so bad, but I still was considered deficient to a point of health. Like, uh, we should be, our vitamin D level should be in the 30s or the 40s or up. Anything between 40 and 100 is, is ideal. Uh, most people is down in the teens, and there is even people walking around with it in the single digits, and that's just disastrous. For how important vitamin D is, vitamin D is a uh, is a pre hormone that is responsible for so many things, so many um, uh, functions in the human body that would actually a lot of people would be shocked to you know. And and the frustrating thing for me is how cheap vitamin D supplements are, and how you know fairly easy it is to to make a change to that number. That and and maybe people are just unaware of it, but they're taking their, their one a day vitamin that they get at Walmart and they think they're, they're good to go. And, and, um, and I'm no doctor. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be one, but, uh, me neither. And anything I say should not be taken as medical advice. You should definitely run it by your doctor. Ditto, ditto for all that. But I also heard that you, you almost can't overdose on, on vitamin D. So, well, I mean, you can, you can go crazy, but yes. Um, however, if you go outside between, uh, let's say noon and four o'clock with your shirt off, and if you can manage not to get sunburned, you could easily get 20,000 IUs in yourself in that time frame without problems. Um, according to those guys that you should never get sunburned, you should always get out of the sun if you can. And you should also never really use sunscreen unless you know you're going to be in the sun long enough to get burnt. Um, so as soon as you start to turn pinkish color for, 
for for a Caucasian individuals like myself, and I'm assuming you're a Caucasian individual. So um, if you start to turn pink, uh, that's when you should probably get some sunscreen on you and get your sunscreen from a re- reliable source yes. without the heavy metals that are in your, uh, you know, your uh, name brand, if you will, because I won't name anybody to name any to uh, get in trouble by anything like that. Because like, who knows these days. Sure. Yeah. Or at least just put your shirt on, you know, get in the shade. Or put your shirt on. Yeah. yeah. Put your shirt on. Yep. Don't get, don't get sunburned, but get your vitamin D because that's extraordinarily important. Cool. Actually, and uh, vitamin D, uh, once I got my levels into the 40s, which they are at now, um, it completely changed my mood. It completely changed everything about myself. So if you can in the summertime and springtime, because where we live, even in Kansas or Pennsylvania where I live, um, between October and late March, there is no vitamin D from the sun. The sun does not give you vitamin D all the time. Um, the vitamin D available from the sun is only when the sun's above 30 degrees in the sky, so 30 and above, and it falls every day. And that time frame for, uh, for me in Pennsylvania, and it might be a little bit less for you, is between 8.30 and 5.30 uh, during the day. And when the sun obviously has to be out, clouds do count. They do block out the sun. So um, there's actually a nice app called D-Minder that I use. It lets you know um, it will count your, your IUs. you got to let it know how much skin you have exposed. So if you have your shirt off or a tank top or short sleeves or shorts, and it'll let you know how many IUs you're getting in yourself uh, as you're out exposed to the sun. So I, I really use that, and it gives you an idea of where your vitamin D levels are. Um, I, also, I also supplement on days that I know that, it's going to be cloudy, so I don't have to worry about getting out in the sun. But I would highly recommend that you get your sun, your, your vitamin D naturally through your diet or through uh, natural sunshine. But if you must supplement, uh, you should definitely supplement. And on my jayanxious.com website, you can find the vitamin D that I use. <laughs> and you said it's D-Minder is the app? That's right, D-Minder, yep. That's cool. And this, uh, it's funny that we're, we're already talking about this stuff because I, I figured that we would talk and you would be, you know, pulling ideas out of my mind that I, I do very much the same thing. You know, if, if it's a cloudy day or if it's cool, you know, I'm, I'm popping my vitamin D pills. If, if we're loading the boat up to go to the lake and I know I'm going to be outside, you know, getting a suntan or I'm mowing the lawn, I'm not going to take my vitamin D pills because I know I'm going to get it there instead, you know. So it's uh, right, we're right, right, right on the same page, man. So what uh, what was your thought process after you've, bought two or three programs on Gumroad, you said, hey, I can do this. My thought process was not that, oh, these guys have these programs or these girls have these programs. My thought process behind it was none of these people are doctors. And all they're going from is their experience and their intuition and their trials and tribulations that they've been through on their particular niche. I have a niche that I know there's 180 million people in this world that are suffering with every single day. So based on my experience, now at at the same time, I have helped people. I do talk to people that I know that are struggling. Once you, once you get somebody to admit that they're struggling with this, there's a lot of ways to fix it. I mean, but you're not going to get your fix, but you know, you, 
okay, so I got to be careful. You can you you can possibly help yourself with pills. You possibly could help yourself with with therapy, which I actually do partake in therapy. Um, but the fix has to come from you, and you need to get ideas from other people. And the basic thing that I thought was my thought process behind it was. I have a lot of experience. There's not a whole heck of a lot of things in the anxiety, depression, panic attack place that I haven't been to personally. So if I could help people or if I could get my ideas out there about how you actually beat this, and it can be beaten. I consider myself that I have beaten this illness that I suffered through for 26 years that I can help other people do that too. But I also, at the same time, didn't go through that for free. It didn't cost me anything. So my time is valuable as well, and I have a family to keep, and I have a family to raise, and I have you know a wife and all that other stuff. So I don't feel guilty charging for it, and I don't think I charge enough. <laughs> Sometimes for some of the situations that I have to live back through that I think about when I'm putting my content onto paper, but... I think it's worth to get the people out there because I know not everybody has a lot of money, and most of the people who are suffering through anxiety, depression, panic attacks don't come from the wealthiest background. So if I get my information out there any way I can, that was my thought process behind the whole thing. And now you've just given me about 10 roads that we could go down, but uh, <laughs> I, I think I clicked on your link in your, in your Twitter profile and you charge like six or seven bucks for your book, your ebook. Is that right? Yep, my first one, uh, anxiety is an addiction. Yes, uh, seven six ninety five right now. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, I and I maybe I should back up a little bit. Um, part of this this podcast, part of our meeting was you you offered me a free hour, and I my first thought is, I don't I don't want to take up his hour. I don't think I need, I don't think I suffer from this, uh, but maybe I do. Maybe we should talk about it. I don't know. And, um, but maybe I, I could help him and maybe he could help me. And, and this will be a, a mutual benefit for, for both of us. Um, but my first thought, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, there's no way he's charging enough for this help because it's got to be invaluable. Uh, and at six ninety five, maybe it's a promo and maybe he'll bump it up later on. I don't know. No, uh, that is not a promo. Um, that is just what that – it's only eight pages, and it's basically a small step-by-step -step guide into some techniques that can get you through some panic attacks because anxiety is one thing. Anxiety is something that everybody's going to feel at some point in their life, okay? And depression um, – you're going to have a very small percentage of people who fight depression. You're also going to have a very small percentage of people who fight panic attacks, but panic attacks are by far, in my opinion, the worst part of the whole thing. And the reason why I explain anxiety as an addiction is because you are addicted to the fear of a panic attack more than you are addicted to anything else. It is Having a panic attack, in my opinion, outside of war, because I was not a soldier, 
um, or anything of that nature because I was disqualified uh, because of my my admittance to that I do have anxiety. Um, I did try to sign up for the military at one point in my life, and I was not allowed to do so. Um, not too many people know that, to be honest, but uh, I never bring it up, but I will today because we're asking questions like that. But um, um, I, I lost my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> um, That's all right. Panic attacks, panic attacks are the scariest part, and you become addicted to thinking, am I going to have a panic attack in almost every situation that you are in on an every single day basis, and it becomes hell. And you have to fight out of it. And what I explain in that book is the number one most important thing that you must do is accept your fear of panic attacks. And once you accept your fear truly, then you've got the start that you need. So when... What age were you when you realized that this is a problem that I, I suffer with that maybe not everybody else does and that that you might be unique in this? I mean, there's lots of other people who do, but maybe not to the degree that you do. What age did I realize that this isn't that I'm not that I don't I'm not in the right state of mind? Right. I'm not like uh, that, that I have that fear. Correct. Um, I had my first panic attack when I was 11. I remember sitting in a fifth grade classroom and having my first panic attack. I can remember it vividly still to this day, 26 years later. Um, but I realized that I wasn't doing my best, uh, 10th, 11th grade in high school, uh, sophomore, junior year. Okay, so you would have been about 18 or so, 17, 18. 16, 17. Okay. Yeah. And at what point did you figure out or decide that, like, this is something I want to fix or that I can even try to fix? Because I think a lot of people in that space, and and it's hard for me because I don't don't think I'm in that space, but to accept – that this is the way I am, but I, and then they just want to sit in it and they don't want to change it. And they're just like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. But there's something in you that, that flipped a switch to say, okay, this is, I want to do better. When did that happen? Well, that happened, uh, my senior in high school. Um, however, I never even told anybody that I had anxiety or that I was, depressed or that I was having panic attacks until I was 33 years old. Um, wow. I never, I never admitted it because you know how it is, small town. Um, you don't want to let that stuff out. And I think that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people, um, you know, I don't think it's as big as coming out for some people as being, you know, homosexual or anything like that. But to let people know that you're scared of living your own life because of fear that no one in their right mind could ever imagine because they have no experience with it. But you also, if, when you come out and tell people that you have this problem, you'll find out that a lot more people have it than will admit as well. Um, but like I was saying, um, 
I never told anybody for 17 years that I was suffering from this. Um, but uh, uh, go back. I'm sorry. I, I lost track. That's um, okay. I was going to ask you your um, – so your – Oh, when did I want it? When did I realize that I need to change, that I need to get better, that there's something wrong? Right. Eight, uh, 17, 18 years old. Um, I started – I started thinking that I, well, okay, so the Internet's brand new right around then, 2000, 2001, brand new to people like me. I don't know about you. Sure. But brand new to people like me. And, you know, research was few and far between, and you're just trying to put your symptoms into something. And, again, I didn't ever admit it to a doctor, so they weren't going to, they couldn't help me. Nobody would know. Nobody knew except for me. So I started taking vitamins, uh, <laughs> over-the-counter garbage vitamins from CVS, and all that did was destroy my stomach. Um, uh, but I knew in my heart that it was something that I was eating incorrectly, and that I was um, that I wasn't happy with what I was doing uh, or where I was going in life because I was more uh, interested in being popular and having friends than I was doing what I knew was right. And that's what I was going to ask you is, is you're, you're a senior in high school, you're doing sports, you're pretty popular, but on the inside you're scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hid that from, I hid that from everybody. I had to act like I was, you know, uh, some kind of, and I didn't have to act like, you know, I just, I kind of was myself, but I also never let anybody know that while I was sitting in class, I felt like I was going to pass out or I sitting in class, I felt like I was going to throw up the embarrassment of, of a panic attack of, of what the, the process of a panic attack is, is the worst part of it. Yeah. But yeah, I was 18 years old. I was a very popular kid, a lot of friends still have them to this day. Um, but they, uh, Nobody had any idea. Were you, um, what was your body image like? Were you fit and healthy then? Yes. So you didn't have that worry of being overweight or being, you know, because a lot of times people have to, you know, if they're the 300-pound the guy in, in their senior class, they got to be funny or they've got to try to hide that or something. But you didn't have to struggle with that. And so... I, I could see if people would look at you and say, you know, what do, what do you have to worry about? Right, right, right. True. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't overweight, not in high school. No, I was in pretty decent shape. So after high school, did you go to college? I did, yeah. I, I attended a small uh, state university in Pennsylvania named Kutztown University. What did you major in? Business administration. And did things get better, worse, stay the same in college? Far worse. Things got far worse in college. And was that yeah, um, due to worse eating, more alcohol, things like that? I mean, that's what our our small university here in, in our town are, you know, it, they pump through the booze, that's for sure. I did, yes. I was eating very incorrectly i was broke i was um uh i didn't i was i did not come from the greatest high school with my best education or preparation for 
for college, and I was lost. I uh, I was good in history class, but other than that, that was that was about the end of it for me. I never knew what accounting was or anything like that. So I I struggled mightily, mightily through college. And so, after did you graduate? I did. Okay. And did that lead to the sales position, or did you have anything in between there? Well, I've had uh, probably 100 jobs in between between, uh, what I'm doing now, but uh, anxiety definitely played a huge part in me. Uh, I've lost a lot of jobs because of it. I lost a lot of jobs. Um, Cost myself a lot of different things, but I think that uh, that all happens for a reason. You know what I mean? Sure. So at what point do you start this this transformation? Was there a, a spark or a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel and you said, okay, I need to start going this way? Or was it just years of slowly making little changes all the time? Well, we're, we're, we're jumping a lot, a lot of time here, but um, from college, um, it was just a long list of failures from the time I left until, let's say, 35 and a half years old. <laughs> That's when I started to make real, real changes in my life. Um, started hearing benefits. Now, in the meantime, I gained about 90 pounds. From the time I left high school until I was 35, so I was five foot nine, 286 pounds. Uh, I was in really poor health. Not anything that I don't think I was. I was not in good shape. I was overweight. I smoked cigarettes. I was. A, I was a mess. And uh, what uh, changed me was uh, the birth of my daughter. Um, Five years after her, I decided, you know, if I keep this up, I'm probably not going to be around for her when I want to be around for her, so I might as well make a change. Now, in the meantime, I did try, you know, the ketogenic diet was coming out, and that was becoming a big deal, and and it still is to this day, but um, I don't really uh, don't know about that one just yet. I mean, it's worked for me. I've lost weight, but... uh, the PE diet for me, Dr. Ted Neiman is the one that I've really seen benefits from. But, um, yeah, so if that's a fast forward of, of a quick 17 and a half years from when I left college, or let's say 15 years from when I left college to where I, where I started to actually make a big change in my life. Okay. We'll go back and fill in the blanks here a little bit. So you're, um, is your daughter born when you're 35 or earlier? No, my daughter was born when I was 30, okay. uh, well, 29, actually, but I actually didn't make any changes for the first five and a half, six years of her life. Okay. And uh, when did you get married? I'm not. Oh, uh, I'm getting okay. married shortly, though. Oh, all right. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a big Polish contingent around here, so we do things backwards. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, uh... <laughs> Earlier you uh, mentioned you have a wife, so I was like, okay. Look, we've been yeah. together ever since, you know, we've been together for nine years, uh, but... Um, Makes sense. Due to some, yeah, we're, we're, we're as close to marriage as you can get, and I love her just as much as anybody loves their wife, so it doesn't really make a difference. I understand. How many kids do you have? Well, she's 
she has a, a daughter from a previous relationship, and then we have my daughter together, so we have two in the house, two two girls, 13 and, and going to be eight. Oh, man. That's a, that's a hectic yeah. house. It is, but it's good. I love it. I, 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 I wouldn't change it for the world. That's great. I have two daughters, but mine aren't, aren't that old. I've got uh, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old boy, and then a three-year-old daughter, so they're, uh, they're fun. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, my daughter's seven. She'll be, she'll be eight in August. So. Perfect. All right. So the let me see. You're thirty years old, and you have your daughter. And is that when you're five nine two eighty six? Uh, I don't know if I'm that big at that point in time. Probably five nine two sixty five. That's still pretty big, and that yeah, that yeah. can't be helping your your anxiety. Oh no, <laughs> no! And I'm working uh, I'm working twelve hour swing shifts at a fairly large company, um, and the swing shifts change every week as opposed to every month. So um, I don't even know if I'm coming or going half the time. So uh, yeah, and does that, that... I, I was. Really bad shape. Does that mean you're working nights too? Yep. Yeah, I was working uh, two days on of seven in the, seven in the morning to seven at night, then three day two days off, then three days on seven at night till seven in the morning, flipping back and forth like that, and I did that for a couple years. Oh man, talk about screwing with your your vitamin D levels and your hormones and everything in between. <laughs> Yeah, it took me, it literally, after I left that job, it literally took me about two years to get right. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't even Even if imagine. I ever did get right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and during this time, were you exercising or was work exercise? Did did that have any any part in your life? Did, did exercise you mean? Is that what you're saying? Right. Do you yeah, work I never out? Exercise. No. Now? Oh, now I work out every day, but sure. not, not then, no. No. Wow, okay. So now you're, let's see, at 35, you are you have this spark, and, and your your daughter is the one who kind of pushes you to, to make a change. What's the first step? Do you clean up your diet? Do you start exercising? Do you start reading books? Do you start, where do, where do you start? My the first step, just like anything else, is I accepted that the way I'm living my life is not the way that I want to live my life. So I decided to make a change. What did I start to do? Internet research, um, anxiety and causes, and uh, so on and so forth. And I really didn't get all that far. So I decided that the first thing that I needed to do was lose weight second thing I needed to do was realize, why am I so nervous? So the first thing that I did was I went to my doctor and I got my blood work done. And uh, that's because I spoke to a Twitter personality that I no longer actually get along with. (laughs) So I won't mention his name. Um, But uh, not that I don't get along with him. It's just we had a bit of a falling out. Anyway, um, I won't mention his name, but he's pretty prevalent. Anyway, um, 
I got my blood work done, and I found out that through my poor eating habits and the cortisol running through my body, I knocked my testosterone down to a level of an 88-year-old man, uh, which was really bad. Now, my cholesterol came back fine, okay. I, yeah, I, I had high blood pressure, which ran through my family, but this was all stuff that was new to me. So I was, uh, I was going through the rigmarole of the modern medical system in the United States of America, which I now don't even really listen to um, because there's people out there who are far more uh, knowledgeable on how to get somebody healthy as opposed to treat them to cure them of these, of these ailments. Um, as long as you have dedication, commitment, and the want to, um, your local doctor probably isn't giving you the best information. I would seek help elsewhere. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame that it's kind of come to that. Uh, and m- my wife is driven crazy by me because you know we take the kids to the doctor and and I leave there going, oh man, they they just frustrate me. You know they. I can't believe they said that to us, you know, and I don't, I'm not allowed to go, <laughs> I'm not allowed to go to the doctor anymore because I've been in two shouting matches with the, with the physician. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm exiled from, from the pediatrician. So, uh, which doesn't happen because I actually go anyway, because I'm not, I will never let somebody, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff bothers me when they tell you, the questions, first of all, that they ask you are incredibly, indiv- you know, I don't even know how they get to get away with asking some of the questions that they ask in the first place. But, uh, you know, anyway, yeah, I, uh, I'm i not a big fan of the of the pediatricians, but that is what it is. Sure. Yeah, I, I just remember when our, we, our first child was born and we took her to her, like, six-month appointment, you know, and they asked us about, you know, is sh- – She's getting her, she's breastfed, whatever. And, and then when do you plan on introducing cereal? And I'm like, oh, we're, we're not going to. And you would have thought the, the pediatrician was going to fall out of her chair. I'm like, <laughs> there's other things to eat. Yeah. I mean, she'll get vegetables and fruits and, and, and good, delicious things, but no cereal. And they're like, I can't believe that you just said that. Well, okay. Well, but, the funny thing about the funny thing about vegetables that you say is, you know, you ever have a hard time giving your kids fruit of any kind for for the most part? No, not really. No, have you had a lot of problems giving your kids vegetables that they don't like for the most part? Sure. Yeah, the reason for that is because human beings generally aren't really supposed to be eating vegetables for the most part. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you ever, your kid when you're when they were a, when they were a baby before you introduced them to any type of sugar or anything like that? Did you ever have a problem giving them meat? Nope. Or eggs? Nope. Right. The answer is no. Everybody had a problem with vegetables, but nobody had a problem with fruit or meat. The reason is because we're supposed to be eating fruit and meat and not vegetables. That is my only opinion. Address that to any way that you would like to, but human beings, for the most part are not supposed to be eating vegetables, especially fibrous vegetables. Well, and a lot of those, including the fruit, um, were poisonous. And so our ancestors would have eaten them and gotten sick and said, we're never touching those again. But with our technology, we made them 
domesticated, almost like we did with, with animals. And we said, okay, what do we need to do to take out the poison so we can still enjoy this fruit that we're not supposed to be eating or veggies in the first place, you know? It's, yeah, yep. Little frustrating. And if they did find the vegetable, if they did find the vegetable that it was okay, now most of the vegetables that our ancestors would eat were fermented or sprouted or things along those lines. Uh, they were not eaten raw ever, never, never. So... That's why you don't. Most people don't have a problem eating sauerkraut or kimchi or other of the fermented vegetables, cucumbers, as in pickles, things along those lines. Because when you ferment them, you take the toxins out, and you get the the, the nutrients that you need. And plus, it's very good for your for your gut biome and things along those lines, which are very important. Um, so that is why you will definitely have a hard time feeding your new child vegetables because they know instinctively that they're not supposed to be eating them <laughs> just like a dog you can't feed dogs stuff that they won't they, they don't naturally eat they probably won't eat it sure and that's something that i think uh crossfit has really opened my eyes to and i shouldn't say that crossfit did it it was just more of my exposure and my um diving down the rabbit hole of okay um you know, I understand CrossFit movement and the CrossFit uh, prescription for eating. And then what else? And where did they get that from? And then I see how they, they went down the ancestral path of, you know, where did we come from? How did we consume our food when we had to go out and kill something and drag it back? Well, they didn't have refrigerators to keep that for, you know, months on end. They engorged themselves with a with a buffalo and left the bones and and moved on and they went and gathered some berries to eat eat with it you know but then they may not eat for two or three more days so there's intermittent fasting for you right there you know it's it's all in our ancestors you you got it that is uh now, you, with that kind of thought process, you should definitely be listening to Sapien and uh, and um, Peak Human podcast. They they you will listen to Brian and his and his guests, and uh, you will definitely definitely be intrigued about what they're saying because they believe in the exact same stuff. So when uh, when you looked in the mirror and you said, "Okay, step one is lose weight." That's awesome. Good for you. Where do you start? Where, where's step two? Step two was uh, an attempt, a half-assed attempt at the ketogenic diet. Um, self-discipline wasn't really high on my, uh, on my uh, list of things that I would consider an asset at the time. So um, I decided to try a low-carb, high-fat diet, which did not really work for me. Now, in, 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 the, in good faith, uh, my, endocrine, my endocrinologist, who I actually ended up with after I found out about my testosterone levels, was the one who tried to put me on a ketogenic diet. Um, I gave it a shot, but at the same time, I knew that vegetables and stuff did not have the best effect on me, and 
that led me down the rabbit hole of following a carnivore diet, which really didn't work for me either. And then I stumbled upon Dr. Ted Naiman and the BE diet, and that 100% works for me. And now I follow along with him and the sapien lifestyle that Brian and them and, and the people on Peak Human talk about the most. Uh, and I dropped 50 pounds in about seven months. Wow, that's awesome. I want to come back to that in here in a second, but um, what what about the keto diet? Do you think was it the vegetables that caused the problem, or what was the no the stumbling block? No, block there? I was I was uh, I was I was not following. Uh, now I don't believe in calories or watching calories and all that stuff, but I could overeat on the ketogenic diet. I could eat a half a tub of sour cream. I could. I could eat, you know, uh, uh, four to five ladles full of uh, Alfredo sauce, you know, because that's low carb, that's the high fat stuff, the cheese, you know, like I could overeat on the ketogenic diet. Okay. So I wasn't satiated enough. I did not have enough protein in it. I didn't, I, and I, I, there's one other guy that, that I want to put into this mix that, was definitely, and that's Alexander A.J. Cortez. I don't know if you know him or not. Or J, Alexander J.A. Cortez. Um, I followed some of his stuff for the workouts, but he always he preached pound of protein, or a gram of protein per the pound that you weigh. And then that was one of the big things that changed uh, for me, too. But that led me, I followed Dr. Naaman after him, but that changed a lot for me to get away from that keto lifestyle and into focusing more on protein and fat. Uh, protein satiates you way more than fat. Have you heard of uh, Ryan Fisher? I haven't. You might want to check him out. Um, I just followed his diet. on. He, he calls it um, keto cycling. And so basically you're on a keto diet, but your, your protein is based on what you just said with basically a ground per pound gram per pound of body weight but then uh twice a week you have carb refeed days which would fly in the face of, of a keto diet that you should never do that but it just uh he's a crossfit box owner and stuff but he, his take is pretty interesting it works pretty well but uh, might be something worth i like that into. i like that take but i'm i'm gonna start i'm starting now to follow what our ancestors would do so in the winter they would eat a very low carb or even zero carb diet because obviously where we live there is no carbs to eat in the winter so they would probably just eat animals they could find sure um so during the summer i will eat fruit i love grapes i'll eat a lot of grapes i'm eating like that stuff i'm eating now strawberries blueberries grapes um along with the the gram of protein or actually i don't follow that as much anymore because for me, um, sorry, we're getting a pretty bad thunderstorm. I don't know if you can hear it. My metal roof. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> um, we're try- I'm trying to to to, uh, to carb cycle through that. So through the summer, I'll keep my carbs around 50 to 70 a day, and then through the fall winter, I'll go to almost zero. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so after you do keto, you you cycle to another 
diet before you go to this PE diet? What was in between the two? Well, I stayed I stayed, I, I stayed low carb, Doctor. I stayed okay. low carb, um, but I focused more on the protein of the gram per pound. Okay. Okay, so yeah. I was still eating the gram per pound, and I wasn't eating as much of the fat uh, because I was so full from the protein. Sure. All right, so... Um, so, and then I decided, like, Dr. Ted's book after the gram per pound, Dr. Ted's book really changed it for me where I was eating, I'm eating a lot different. Like, I just was eating beef and beef and beef and beef, liver and beef, you know, that kind of stuff. But now I've incorporated a lot more fish and a lot more seafood to a lot more seafood, a lot more shrimp, a lot more scallops, a lot more crabs, because they have more protein per gram in them than you would not more than beef, but they uh, they don't have the fat. Okay, sure. so and you could substitute butter in there, or your ghee, or your tallow, or olive oil, or avocado oil, or whatever. No, no vegetable oils, obviously. None of the dangerous, the, the, the terrible eight vegetable oils, or whatever they're called. But uh, they never, never use that. But um, uh, yeah. So I, I incorporated a lot more of seafood into the diet, and that is where I really seen. Um, the difference. Uh, and I, at the same time, I don't know if you've ever taken an Everlywell test. took an Everlywell test to see what I was allergic to, and it turned out I was allergic to egg whites. So I was eating so many eggs, and my inflammation from trying for my body to get me through, to burn through the egg whites was giving me anxiety as well. So I stopped eating egg whites, and that was a huge game changer for me. So I suggest that kind of stuff too. Yeah, I think it's it's crazy you know people are are towing this this beautifully correct line in all of their eating they're doing everything that they're supposed to and it's not working you know and, and why is that and then they go get that test done and they realize that they're allergic to something that they have just gone overboard on for the last 3 to 6 months or whatever and they're going huh yeah. let's eliminate that and find out well, yeah, I mean, one of the st- – no, this isn't Dr. Ted's fault, but uh, one of the staples to, to weight loss is the protein in egg whites. So there I there I go eating egg whites. Now everybody's like, why would you just eat egg whites? I'm like, because I understand – so I would have, like, six egg whites and three egg yolks in an omelet, okay? Sure. And, and uh, I'm highly allergic to egg whites. And I'm like, why am I so inflamed? Why is this going on? And then I got this test bag, and it's like – Number one thing that you should avoid, egg whites. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so uh, so that has been a big deal to me. That has been a big game changer. And now that I know that I'm allergic, that I have a real, a real sensitivity to egg whites, that makes it really simple to me because I know how much they affect me. So I can stay away from your bread. I can stay away from the pasta. I know all that stuff caused me a problem. So I don't have to eat it. I know that, I'm, like, I literally could say, because before, before I did any research, they're just like, oh, you don't even know what you're doing. You know how people are. Sure. You don't really know what you're doing. You're listening to people that are quacks or this or that. Well, I can just say, look, I have a test that says I'm allergic to egg whites and I shouldn't eat them. So there you go. I don't have to eat bread anymore because it's really hard to, to explain to people that you actually don't need carbs to live, um, which I don't really agree with because I think you do need some every once in a while. But that's neither here nor there. Oh yeah, I mean, grapes are carbs, 
you know, but whenever you, yeah. whenever you tell somebody, no, you, you shouldn't have carbs. They're not, they're not the greatest thing for you. They're like, you mean I can't have bread and cereal anymore? I'm going, I, you shouldn't. Yes. I, I agree with it, what you just said, but I also do think you should have some carbs from a different source, you know, like fruit. Yes. Like fruit. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I look, I'm not saying to go out and eat five pounds of grapes. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> and I also don't agree with the everything in moderation either because I eat, my staples are my staples and I eat a lot of it, but I also eat a lot of uh, sauerkraut, <laughs> but that's because I love it, but um, it works for me. You got to find out what works for you. That's, that's what anxiety is. Anxiety and depression is you got to find out what works for you. Okay. So first you accept it. I, okay. I have anxiety. I have, I am depressed. I have panic attacks. Then you got to ask yourself why. And 99.9% of the time it's going to come back that you are not eating foods that agree with you or you're drinking too many Monster Energy drinks or you're drinking too many Diet Cokes or you're drinking stuff or eating stuff that doesn't agree with you and it's throwing your body into a loop and your body gets anxious when it's not functioning properly. So for me, the number one thing that I realize is that that right there, I am not consuming what I'm supposed to be consuming for my body and it's causing my body a problem and I've been doing it every every day of my life since I was a young kid because diet was not a huge deal at my family. I'm not saying my parents fed me garbage all the time, but we didn't care. Like they just we had our normal standard American diet, your meat, your pro your your, your protein, your vegetable and your, your your starch at every single meal. And that was a bad thing for me. So that's the one thing I, one of the major things that I had to change, and I have, and I have it pretty dialed in right now, and things are, are very good. Yeah, and I, my wife and I talk about this all the time because, you know, my parents, or, or we look back at, at our childhood and we go, man, we did not eat very well when we were kids. And then I think back and I go, well, it's not really their fault. They didn't really know any better. I mean, my, when I was really young, my grandma had a, a heart attack or a heart problem, a heart surgery or something. I was too young to even know what was going on. And the, uh, the doctor recommended to my parents, uh, who was taking care of my grandma, you know, to eat like whole wheat cereal. And my dad started eating mini wheats in like 1990 or something. And from 1990 till probably 2010, every single morning he ate mini wheats because that's what the heart doctor told him back in 1990 or whatever. And I, I start a CrossFit gym and I understand the prescription of healthy eating and I'm going, dad, you cannot eat mini wheats every single day anymore. You, it will kill you literally. And now he eats a smoothie in the morning with, you know, raw eggs and stuff. And so I, I got to him and we got it to change, but I, <laughs> you know, it just blows my mind that, you know, they, they listened to the professionals and they, they tried and they tried to do it right. Um, but the, the information wasn't that great and there was no internet to cross check anything, you know, so they kind of did, did the best they could. Well, I look, I'm in the same boat as you because my whole family listens to the professionals as well. And, uh, you know, they're the ones who are unfortunately sometimes struggling with what's going on with them. Now, knock on wood, none of them have any major health problems that I know of. But, you know, they all sit around and go, 
oh, look at you. You lost all this weight, blah, blah, blah. And, like, and I'm like, well, you know, how'd you do it? I just tell them how I did it. Well, I can't live like that. <laughs> okay, well, then, you know, keep up. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing then, I guess, you know. If you feel good, then that's fine. But I also don't want to hear, you know, that you're 60 years old and you can't walk two miles. That's a problem. You should be able to do that. You know what I mean? So, uh that's that's where we're at with that. But nobody, they don't want to listen. I only want to talk to people who want to listen because if you try to preach, nobody likes a preacher. So you know, not I'm not talking about a, a religious preacher. I'm just talking about if somebody who preaches about how much do how much better they're doing than everybody else. So I don't preach. I just uh, I just try to keep the if people want to people want to listen, they'll ask questions. So that's that's who I talk to. About it. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. Uh... When my wife and I were, were going to family functions and, and asking for, you know, no bun on our cheeseburger and, um, you know, crazy things like that, they're, you know, the family are going, why? Why are you doing that? That's just weird, you know? And then, what do you know, six months later, they're they're working out with us at the CrossFit gym. And we're like, hey, welcome. Are you having a good time? So, you know, it, it's all good. Um, you dropped... <laughs> 50 pounds in seven months. Uh-huh. Yeah. How? Did just yeah. diet change, exercise too, combination of both? Well, there's absolutely no evidence that would show that, that exercise has anything to do with weight loss. Actually, to the contrary, because it makes you hungrier. But anyway, um, I do exercise every day, but I exercise because that is the best stress reliever you could find. Um, High-intensity working out is, is as good a stress reliever as there is. But, yeah, uh, diet. Diet was everything. Absolutely. Yeah, well, making sure that it, I was in a calorie deficit, which I really didn't know for sure, but when the scale every day says a pound or two less than it did, you're pretty sure you're in a calorie deficit. But, yeah, um, diet, exercise, and vitamin D level, and meditation. Meditation helps a lot. Did that all happen at once? They all happened within a month and a half of each other, yeah. Wow, that's a lot to put on your plate. To Because I found the same thing, and it took me, you know, five years to kind of incorporate all of those together. But to over 60 to 90 days to throw all of that on your plate... But you had to be feeling better. Exceptionally better. Yes. Um, exponentially better. Uh, but at the same time, I have to admit and throw in there that I actually had to go on a testosterone replacement therapy program as well. Because I was, like I said, I had the testosterone level of an 85-year-old man at the age of 36 years old, which is incredibly unhealthy. Did a doctor tell you that? How good it yes. Well, I brought it to his attention because I was listening to people on, but he agreed. Um, and uh, for all the fellas out there, if you're feeling something's off, go get your testosterone checked. Uh, it could be a game changer. Just because you're eating healthy and everything doesn't mean that that's in the right. Uh, it's in the right levels, and in, and uh, according to the American. Uh, Health Association or whatever it is, you're, it should be between 300 and 1,100. Well, 
make sure you're in the closer to eight to eleven hundred range, uh, and don't go over at eleven hundred eleven hundred range either because that's not good either. But stay between seven seven eight and eleven hundred, and you'll definitely feel a difference. Yeah, I, I just had mine checked couple months ago, I think. And I think I was right around that five, 600 range. And I was really hoping I would be higher, but I was happy to be in the normal accurate range. But I think it's, it's funny how, um, you know, the doctors or the professionals can really, you know, stick that knife deep and say, yours is the same as an 85 year old man. Do you feel like an 85 year old man? And you're like, mm, yeah, kind of do. Well, Tucker, uh, for your level, now take into consideration when you see those ranges, that is the range of 100% of people who had their testosterone checked in the United States. So you are in the middle. You are in the 50th percentile of men in the U.S. with testosterone. you got to think about that for yourself. <laughs> Do you want to be there? Look at half the men you see out there, and that's where you're sitting with testosterone-wise. Sure probably not where you want to be especially at 33 years old you want to be you want to be where i want to be eight nine thousand eleven hundred even twelve hundred yeah and that's something that i i heard on a podcast or something one time was um you should have got your your testosterone checked when you're 18 and 20 and 22 because then when you're 35 and 45 you can try to go match that number course you know i heard that when i was 30 years old going well it's a little too late for that now but you know i'm going oh that makes a lot of sense yeah um yeah even like mine sits probably at 950 to a thousand on an everyday basis now but um and i don't take as much trt as i used to um i was on a mega dose in the beginning and uh the calming effect of that alone for men is humongous. Testosterone is a big big uh, misconception. If your testosterone levels are low, you're going to be fidgety, anxious, intolerant, moody, because you are basically falling into a level of a woman. That's why old men are grouchy, because I'm not saying women are up naturally, but you're, you, you have a low, very low testosterone level, and you're moody, and you're cranky, and you're anxious, because... Um, your body is just giving, doesn't even know how to make that hormone anymore. And it's not, and for men, it's one of the most important ones. Um, so if that's the biggest, one of the biggest things that I, besides vitamin D, getting your vitamin D levels up, get your testosterone checked and make sure you're in that high end range, that eight, nine thousand, eleven hundred range, you will definitely see a big difference. And do not be afraid. The testosterone that's out there now, I take uh, I take injections uh, every week. I administer them myself. Um, I take Ziostead, and um, I recommend that. I haven't had any side effects, and I haven't felt better. So match that with the diet. Keep your insulin levels low. Is a is a pretty good recipe. You mix it in with some exercise and some meditation. You're on your way. Yeah, there's a a book I just started. I'm I'm only like a chapter into it, so I can't give it a a full review yet. But it, it's called Wild at Heart, and it's a Christian book. But it just speaks to 
exactly what you're saying. When when men are uh, have the correct testosterone and they're doing manly things, they strive and they 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 do what they're supposed to do. You know, um, men were built to you know fight and protect and be men. And when they're not doing that, like you said, they're, they're fidgety, they're anxious, they're nervous. Um, and so I think that goes exactly with what you're saying with having low T is, is just like not being able to, to do the, the things that men were meant to do. Absolutely. Uh, because when you're sitting around on your couch and you're eating like garbage and you can't move because your insulin sensitivity is so high that every time you put a piece of pizza in your mouth, you're taking a, taking a nap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. And uh, get that T-level up. Get, get, your, get your diet right. You're, you're supposed to be eating meat. You're supposed to be eating good, healthy foods. Now, I know that some people out there in this world are – don't like to eat meat. I don't, and, a, and another thing that I want to stress is I don't eat any type of factory farm meat whatsoever. I get all of my meat from regenerative farms, two local ones, and one as a subscription box, grass-fed, grass-finished, regenerative, regen, <laughs> regenerative farming is the future. Um, so that is another thing that I want to get out there. Being from Kansas, I'm sure you know something about that. Yeah, it's it's actually sad how how hard that is to come by around here. Um, I actually have a an appointment next month to pick up our our beef from the from the slaughterhouse and um, get it in the freezer. But it's uh, I've got a whatever two hour drive down there to do it where it's not in my backyard, and it's frustrating that. But I do have chickens in my backyard, so you know you, you, you give go. and take what you what you got. Um, there now, you go. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but when when you lose the fifty pounds in seven months, you're thirty five years old. Is that right? Uh, no, no. Thirty five is when I decided to thirty five, thirty six is when I started to make a change. When I started those keto, uh, I've lost that weight. Um, from November of last year up until this current period right now, until we're sitting here talking right now. Okay, so what do you weigh now? Two twenty-six. That's awesome! Congratulations. Thank what, you very much. What have you noticed that is easier to do, or what are you? I mean, our daughters are the give or take the same age, and I'm coaching their softball yeah. now. It's it's awesome. Yeah, well, look. Last year, I, last year I was a spotty coach for my daughter's coach pitch baseball team, and I'm pitching, uh, pitching in a game to them, and I, and I had a massive panic attack right there on the mound. Now nobody would have known it, but that happened to me. But everything has become easier since I've lost that weight. Everything has become easier since I've, since I have stopped being afraid of everything and having worried about having panic attacks everywhere I was and life is a lot easier and if you put that year or two years or three years now look i'm nowhere near done i got i got another 45 to 50 pounds that i'm gonna lose um which that's i i can't wait because i'm enjoying the process 
And that's a lot of the things that you need to understand as well is the process is the fun. The, the, the goal is where it stops. So enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy your games. Enjoy your achievements and put, put that in your head is like you're moving forward. That is, that's the best part of it. Cause once you hit, like once I hit 185, then what? Maintain it. That's probably the harder part, <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. But yes, to answer your question, everything is easier now. Everything with, I mean, and I can't wait to see how it is when I when I, because now I'm working on my flexibility. I'm working on my mobility. I'm doing more calisthenics. Obviously, during these lockdowns, uh, my gym's been closed for the last three months, so um, I haven't really been lifting weights. But I've been doing, you know, uh, body weight workouts, but. Right now, my cardio is off the charts, and I'm getting. I'm actually preparing for a super sprint triathlon in September. So amazing! How how worried are you about personally about getting COVID? Zero percent worried. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to hear because I'm the same way. But do you think that that would be the same response if you were 50 pounds heavier right now? No, no, I, no, I probably, I'd probably be in a world of shit if that, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'd probably be <laughs> in a bad, bad spot if that happened to me. Uh, 50 pounds ago, 18 months ago, I'd be, I would be really scared, especially hearing the news about, you know, that it really affects people who are morbidly obese. And unfortunately, I lost an old coach of mine to the COVID-19 and he was morbidly obese and... Yeah, I would have been really worried about it. So you, uh, let's see how, yesterday, you you retweeted something about pain and discomfort. And when you were talking about the process, I think that's everybody's biggest fear, is they know the process is not going to be easy. And that's what keeps, I'll start tomorrow, that uh, I... I'm going to come up with another excuse. And how do you enjoy the process of pain and discomfort? Just like everything else, I accepted it. I accepted that I would rather have the pain and discomfort of something that I'm doing to myself, as in, i.e., maybe not enjoying my dinner as much as I used to because of how flavor-packed it was with chemicals or whatever else they put in food. Um, and to, uh, accepting the fact or, ex, or, um, enjoying the process of, look, if I eat this, I'm going to feel better. If I don't eat this, I'm going to feel worse. And now I just live and accept and I live for the pain and discomfort of working out, of putting myself into uncomfortable positions, uh, putting myself out there. Like if you would have asked me a year ago to do this podcast, my answer would be, would have been no. Um, I would not like to tell my story. Now I'm very comfortable putting it out there for people to hear because I think that that people uh, need to hear a story like mine or even worse than mine. I know there's people out there who have it way worse than I have ever had it, and I'm not trying to compare myself in any way or shape or form to anybody, but I embrace and accept the pain and discomfort to what it's going to take to make me the person that I want to be. Well, I appreciate that so much. I think that's the number one reason why I want to do this is because I I have had an easy life and 
I, I enjoy hearing other people's stories and, and what I can learn and how I can help more people. Um, because like you said, honestly, I haven't had it so bad myself. So how can I sympathize and empathize with other people and, and try to help, help them out? Right. Right. So in, in your mind, um, in your world, who's one of the most successful people that you think about as being successful and and success can have so many different meanings, you know, for some people, it might mean that they're very wealthy for some people. It might mean, you know, they spend a ton of time with their family and their kids. So who, who in your life is successful? It's a loaded question. I know. Well, I would think my, yeah, I would say my parents are pretty successful in what they were able to accomplish uh, from what they came from. But people that I that I idolize or not, I don't idolize anyone really except for God. But um, um, <laughs> who do I think are really successful? I think there's a lot of people on on Twitter that are pretty successful. People who are able to live their life the way they want to live it on an every single day basis. Um, they are. They, they make their lives helping other people and are financially free from doing whatever it is, flipping, selling programs. You know, I really think Joe Rogan is an extraordinarily successful person. Uh, I wouldn't probably be started without – I can't even – I can't even start my journey without talking about that podcast that I listen to. There's so much information out there, and there's so many people who are doing awesome things in this country and in this world. That if you're not listening and trying to figure out some way, unless your life is perfect and you love it, which I don't know how many people actually believe, how can actually think that, because I'm not looking for perfection either. I should start there, but I'm looking for to be the best self that I could be. And I hate saying you know live my best life or whatever that is, but um, I'm not looking for happiness. I don't know if that even exists, but I'm looking for my purpose and doing things that I want to do most of the time. So I would say Joe Rogan is extraordinarily successful. Um, you know, uh, Brian Sanders is extraordinarily successful with Peak Human. Dr. Ted Naiman is extraordinarily successful. Um, and there's a lot of other guys that I really don't know their names, but their Twitter, handle, Twitter handles that, are, that I would assume are doing pretty well. So, um, but those, but throw three people because they do what they want and they live how they won. They made a very successful life for themselves and they're changing people who want to listen to them. And that's, that's exactly where I want to be. I want to be up there, um, with them, uh, within the next five years and I'll, I'll get there. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I am, I'm happy with my life, but I, I talked with somebody one day and I said, Hey, you got to check out this book. I just read, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And they're like, Oh, I, I don't read. I'm like, well, you could listen to it on, on, you know, audible or something. And they're like, oh no, no thanks. And I'm like, how can you not want to improve or not want to change and get a little bit better? Even if you are happy with your life, you know, you could get a little bit better. Why not? Educate yourself. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. You know, maybe you're not even making yourself better. You're just educating yourself more or, or completely disagree with the author. Yeah, that's fine. At least open your many, mind up. How many books? How many books have? Well, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something to the audience here. Uh, I probably have the reading level of a fifth grader, uh, as in terms of comprehension, because still to this day, my 
I can't read a book and comprehend it. Uh, just something that I struggle with, and I've struggled with my whole life. Um, probably due to that, whatever that ADHD is. But um, I listen to a lot of books, and there's bo- books that I've listened to that I've completely disagreed with what that person was saying. But you still listen to it, so you could, you know, get a, get an opinion. You know what I mean? Have but have an educated opinion. I know a lot of people out there with opinions, but they're not worth much. There's other people out there with their opinion I'd listen to, and I don't care what side of a, of a, of a stance they're coming from. Sure. Um, what does uh, goal setting look like for you? Do you do it at all? See, I still got, I still got a long way to go, Tucker. Yeah, I, I'm bad with goal setting. I'm bad with um, – goal setting right now for me is to hit 185 pounds. That's the goal that I have. Um, the other goals that I have is to uh, – to uh, become financially independent through um, working through social media platforms and getting my message out there and helping people. Um, but my problem with goals is that I'm not good, en- good enough at setting up systems around those goals to actually reach them. Um, my system set up around my weight loss is in place, but everything else is struggling at the moment, and maybe because I might be putting too much on my plate at once. Because I do have a regular job that I'm responsible for, too. You know what I mean? So, oh, sure. Uh, that kind of takes precedence sometimes. And then, I, you know, my daughters, my kids want to play, and they want to do things with Dad. And, you know, there's some things. So time management is something that I have a problem with. Goal setting, eh, yeah, I have goals. And that's something I have to put more emphasis on for sure. Um, I'm not – that's not where I want it to be yet. I have to admit that. I'll give you a uh... – one piece of practical advice. Um, some people will like to type them out, make them look all pretty, frame them, put them on the wall. Um, but just writing them that down, even if you just throw it in a drawer, even if you just throw the, the thing away, just writing it down, but writing it in past tense, like it's already been done. Um, game changer for me. Uh, it's something that I do regularly on a yearly basis, but, um, it, it's interesting. Might want to try it out. Um, is that's, there, uh, whose, whose technique is that? Is that whose technique is it? That's uh, Brian, uh, maybe Brian Tracy, uh, Brian, what's his name? Brian Tracy. I think, that's, that yeah, right? I think that's one of his techniques. I'm going to say it's something I listened to a Brian long Tracy. time ago. Zick, yeah, it could be, I mean, be I've listened to so many of those things for so many years now, you know, a lot of it blurs together, but yeah, it's, and then I always did like a, uh, a short middle and long term too. Right, right. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I look. I know that that's extremely important, and, I, and I'm getting around to it. Uh, my problem is, is that I don't really have a financial goal. I money is not all that important to me. I don't know why. I wish it was. I have the things that I need. I have the house. I have cars. I have all that stuff. But. Um, the sad thing to say is that if I had a million dollars, I wouldn't change a thing. If I had $10 million, I might change some things, you know, maybe I'd have an awesome at home gym in my, in my, on my property. But other than that, I don't think I'd have too much more. So to that point though, uh, in recent memory, is there a view or an idea that you've had that you've totally flip-flopped or changed on recently? Maybe you thought one way and then you went, oh, I'm, I'm wrong on that. 
I mean, we can always say pass. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to pass. Is there a story that your friends or your family tell about you? Um, not really. No, no. Uh, um, <laughs> that's all right. You know, I, I I've got one for you. Not here. really. No, not that. I, go ahead. This goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, though, and it's uh, the the opposing forces of contentment versus drive. So you're content, money wise. It you don't really think about it. Doesn't really bother you one way or the other. But you well, are driven. I mean, I like that some, but sure. But you are driven to lose the weight to. Uh, eat correctly. And I, there's another tweet you had um, I wanted to bring up about routines. Uh, you know, what drives you to to keep your routine going, to, to stay on what you know to be successful and not go out and have 12 beers this weekend? Maybe you well, don't like I beer. know... <laughs> well, I'm allergic to wheat, so I don't have beer. But anyway... Um, uh, what drives me is because I know what's on the other side of that hill, man. I know what's I know what's on the other side of that cliff, and uh, it's it's a personal hell. Um, and so I don't. My drive is to not go back there. And I and I I have slipped up, and I have gone back there, and I know that's it's it's that's the new fear. The new fear is going backwards because I can't go backwards. Can't do it. I don't know if I have it in me to do it again. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I have it in me to go back there and come back from it. So I don't, I can't go back there. I can't go, I can't be that guy anymore ever again. That's just not an option. How much of your. So that's why the. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. How much of your advice. No, that's for the drive. Sorry, we, we must have a little delay here. Um, how much of yeah. your advice for someone who's struggling with anxiety um, centers around the the diet, the exercise, just the the healthy living? That's the middle. Um, that's the middle steps. The first thing you have to do. So to answer your question, uh, you're looking for a percentage. That's that's 30, 40% of it. That's the, that's the middle, though. That's the body. That's the body of it. But if you're going to write your story of anxiety and how you're going to beat it, you've got to accept that you have it. Okay? And that's the first part. Can I jump in there I real accept? quick? When, sure, sure, sure. When you accept it... On a practical sense, like, does that mean that you're telling other people about it? Does that mean you're just looking at your yourself in the mirror and saying, yeah, I've got this, i got to deal with it? How does that look? The acceptance comes from – the acceptance is the kind of the same acceptance that you have is that at some point I'm going to have to eat. You accept it that it's something that's a part of your life. You have you accept that you have to breathe. 
you accept that you have to take a shower, you accept that you have to eat, you accept that you have to go to the bathroom, and for people who are in my scenario or my situation, you have to accept that anxiety is a part of your life. And as soon as you accept that this is, I'm going to feel this way for a short amount of time, okay? Now, that short amount of time might be every single day, but for a certain amount of time during that day, you're not going to feel good. You are going to feel uneasy, and you're going to have thoughts, and you're going to have fear, and you're going to have things that are going to happen to you in your brain, and even physically where you shake or you sweat or you have problems where you think that there's something seriously wrong with you and that there's an emergency going on, but there isn't. And as soon as you accept that you know this is going to happen to you, but you also accept that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you except for what's going on in your brain, you're on a start. You've got to start. Then you got to figure out what's going on inside of your body that is starting those thoughts, okay? You, that's, there, there's a link to there. There's a big link. The link is your body is telling you, hey, I know it might not be anything that's that serious, but we're trying to alarm you that there's something going on that we don't like, okay? So even if it's going over a bridge, right? We both understand that 99.9% .9 of the time everybody goes over a bridge, everybody makes it. But people like me were afraid to go over a bridge. Like, I was afraid to go over bridges. But you got to accept, I'm afraid to go over this bridge, but the probability of me be going over that bridge is 100% making it, right? I'm not going to fall off. No one's going to, you know, things aren't going to happen like that. Same thing with anxiety and a panic attack. I know this is going to happen to me but I also know that I'm going to come out on the other side. And the second you stop, you accept it. And another thing that I have to add to that, the second that you stop fighting it, because the fighting, the fighting of a panic attack is the worst part. So when you get anxious and you get that, that tension in your body that, when you, that you endure through a panic attack, okay, if you just let it hit you with everything it has, and you sit there and you continue to breathe deeply in your nose, out your mouth, look around at what's going on around you because internally and mentally the world's burning to the ground. But if you, if you could take the time to look around, see what's going on around you, that everything isn't burning to the ground, and keep breathing, and, but just let it hit you. Don't stop it. Don't try to say, oh, no, I'm having another panic attack. i got to stop this. This is horrible. What if this happens? You say, nope. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it do whatever it's going to do to me. And that is step two. Then you can move on to dieting and changing, but accept it. Don't fight it. That's the most important thing. And you know, that was a huge thing. After the... After the after the diet and the the body change, is there anything after that? Or is that kind of the final step? Maintenance. No, no. That's where that's where the meditation, that's where the internal dialogue comes in. That's where you let those demons or whatever you whatever's inside you out. And believe me, they come out. They do. I've had some experiences meditating and I do not take drugs of any kind. <laughs> I've had some experiences when I got deep into it where 
profound changes, profound experiences. And then another place that I like to have profound experiences in is in a in a, a float tank. I don't know if you've ever done one of those or not. Sure. Yeah, we just that got them is, here. That is. Did you? Okay. Well, I I I do those, and that was a huge help too because. If you can't sit in your own thoughts for an hour, you need to start somewhere. So maybe meditation for five minutes even. Get the five, get the ten, get the fifteen, get the twenty. Then you can put yourself in the tank for an hour. Then you'll start figuring yourself out. And that's what you need to do. Yeah, that was that was my advice for folks about the float tank is is I always told them if you aren't regularly meditating right now, don't don't go try the float because you'll probably freak out. You need to kind of build up to it a little bit um, because throwing yourself in an isolation tank for an hour, uh, if you've never meditated or even tried to be alone with your thoughts for even five or ten minutes, it, it's kind of jumping the creek before you get there. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, you uh... – <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been there where, where some people have – Cut their session 55 minutes short. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that's uh, – if you aren't pretty comfortable with yourself or ex- – but here's another thing. They didn't accept it. Now, I understand the experience is much different. But ex- it's, this is life. This isn't, this isn't just anxiety or panic. This is life. you got to accept the experience. you got to expect discomfort. And accept discomfort. And generally where discomfort lies is where the breakthrough is going to happen. Okay, that's where you're going to find out about yourself is the discomfort part of it. That's where it really comes from. Uncomfortable can you be and still be comfortable? Because I, 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 just, uh, I don't know who coined it, but comfort's a cage. You, you will sit in your comfortable cage and you won't go anywhere. But the discomfort part... I don't care if it's floating in a tank, doing CrossFit, running a marathon, whatever. As long as you're comfortable being uncomfortable, you'll be all right. Man, you just said like 10 quotes that should be on T-shirts. That's amazing. So, uh, and you served up a a real nice softball for this next question that I had jotted down here. What what do you do for suffering that you – intentionally put yourself in on a regular basis because like that float tank for me is it's relaxing that's not suffering i mean the the first time i did it was in like this tiny pod i'm a little bit claustrophobic so i closed the the top and i freaked out and i got out of it and then i got back in it you know like a minute later but uh it, it was a little bit uncomfortable but i i finished it out you know and then the ones that we have here in town are, are big. They're almost like rooms to get in, and they don't bother me at all. Uh, but right. what do you do that you intentionally put yourself in suffering? Uh, I, I'm i a big fan of the sauna. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. um, I, like to, uh, I like to get it to about 200 and put myself in there for a while. That's a pretty intense experience once you get 40, 45 minutes in. Um. I like high-intensity interval training. I like to get my heart rate maxed out. I like to get it in the red. Um, That's uncomfortable. Um, But 
the most uncomfortable things for me that I like to put myself in front of is doing things like this. Um, being on podcasts, put myself out there. This is a very uncomfortable experience for me. I know I don't probably don't sound too uncomfortable, but I'm very uncomfortable. Um, You're doing great. Up things that I don't really want. Yeah, it brings up things that I don't really want to talk about, but I do. Um, and that's a huge change for me. And, you know, most people are uncomfortable doing exercises unless you're just doing your st- steady-state cardio all the time and, and, and running at a pace that you're comfortable at just to keep your body moving. That's that's comfort. But what you're doing in CrossFit and what I do for my exercise routines is truly uncomfortable. You know, I don't I don't think mine's are, mine are comfortable. Um, but more for me, the discomfort comes from my writing, my content, my tweets, my talking to my to my my clients i i have these conversations regularly now which i never thought i'd be able to do <laughs> that's my discomfort that's cool have you tried any cold tubs or cold showers i cold shower every day yeah wow good for you that's one that is so uncomfortable that and i know the benefits of it and i do it, it just it, it gets me a lot of I got to talk well, myself into it big time. Well, try definitely download yourself the Wim the Wim Hof uh, uh, method. That stuff that'll get you there. Yeah, he's good. All right, he is good, man. He, he's a little zany, but he's good. I got a few uh, kind of rapid fire, quick questions. Your answers don't have to be quick, but uh, if you were living your ideal future, you're retired, you're old and gray. What would you look back at yourself out? Right now, what uh, what piece of advice do you think you would give yourself? It goes along with my motto, accept it. Accept that you were given this, this, whatever, for whatever reason, you were given it, accept it, and do what, do what you started doing now. I would give myself that advice. Take what you know, take what you didn't know, and run in the direction that you wanted to run in when you were 18 and 20. Cause I knew that I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I knew then that I'm not the call. I wasn't the college type. I knew then that I wasn't the person who wants to go get a nine to five job for 40 years. That isn't me. Never was, but don't listen. Every, stop listening to people and do what you think is best for you. Because at the end of the day, we all die. You know, we all go, you know what I mean? So as long as you keep yourself, as long as you stay true to yourself and you don't hurt anybody else along the way, I think uh, I think I think God understands that and and you'll be accepted. Perfect. You mentioned the float tanks, and I think that that's certainly something on this next question. But what's one you know, relatively inexpensive experience that you think everybody should try at least once? <laughs> How about a free experience? Okay. Go out into an open field or an open road or a straight path or a hill and run as fast as you can and as far as you can until you almost fall over. Try that. And then get up and do it again. And then get up and do it again and get up and do it again. Three or four or five times. Tell me how you feel after that. I love it. That's an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any books that you've read multiple times or that you would recommend to somebody? Oh my gosh, you got to read what other than your own. 
me, David Goggins. Okay. Without a question. If you ever listen to what that guy's been through and what that guy has mentally and what his mindset is, he's in his book he says he's uncommon amongst uncommon people, which is that's a trait. <laughs> yeah. Get there. You know, we're only talking about trying to fix yourself to get normal. I'm talking get get to the where that guy's at mentally. Forget it. Yeah. And he says he doesn't even have it every day. Sometimes he'll lace up his running shoes and stare at them for 30 minutes. Yeah. And so it's a, yeah. it's a choice every day. Do you have any specific, like, morning rituals that you do every morning? Uh, my meditation. Uh, well, I, I just get up and I, you know, I'm, I get moving. I do my, you know, personal things in the, in the restroom and all that stuff. But then I, I sit down and I take at least 10 minutes get my breathing going, get my, my positive thought mantra going, and, uh, and then I hit my exercise routine. What about evening or before bed? Do you have any uh, specific rituals that you do every night before bed? I, I mean, don't. No, I, I'm usually – now I'm putting out content. Now I'm tweeting or – or having movie night with <laughs> with the family, or playing some kind of game, or out in the backyard doing something like that, you know, until we just get tired and fall asleep, you know, get the kids to bed early enough, and all that. That's I don't really have a routine at night, no. Cool. What's uh, one to two things that folks can do in the next week or two that would have a drastic impact on their lives? Number one, accept where your life is. Number two. Put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and see how it works for you. Amazing. You've mentioned a bunch of like podcasts and stuff. Um, you might repeat them, but any other podcast books, resources and stuff that you uh, listen to on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got quite a few. If you want me to list a few. <laughs> Whatever's on the top of your mind. I'm I'm a podcast junkie. If, if you, I don't know if you know, I haven't haven't realized. Um, so obviously, Peak Human with Brian Sanders, uh, Fundamental Health, Dr. Paul Saladino, obviously Joe Rogan. I try to listen to Jocko Willing's podcast every once in a while. Sapien podcast with Brian and and another one of his doctor buddies that they do. And uh, I like to I like the uh, the lessons time from time to time of Jordan Peterson. Um. And now I got the uh, the weekend starts now with Tuck, so I, love I like it. that one too. <laughs> Great. Um, when do you get? When do you listen to your podcast? Because I know I'm fortunate with my insurance gig. I have a anywhere from a one and a half to a three hour commute all the time, which is awesome. I get to listen to lots of podcasts. And then when I mow my lawn, it's like two and a half, three acres. It's two hours worth of mowing. I get to listen to more podcasts, but I find myself recommending these podcasts to people and they're like, I, I don't have time to listen to podcasts. I'm going, well, okay. So when do you get yours in? Uh, I drive a lot like you. Uh, I put about 35,000 miles on my car a year. So that's my podcast time. Yep. Better audiobooks. Sure. 
where where can people find more about you, find your book, um, find you on Twitter, all that stuff? Find me at Twitter, at JAnxious. My website's JAnxious.com. Uh, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I don't feel, I don't agree possibly with their oh, it's, uh, politics, if you will. Um, so I won't put myself out on there. Uh I have a podcast that I'm going to be starting that I'd like to get you on, perhaps, Tucker. Uh, I'm going to start that up in August. I'm getting ready to get that moving. Um, and my new ebook is coming out next week. It is going to be called Complete 180. It's going to be a lot more in depth um, about how to completely change your life around, like I have, um, with a lot of steps. And it's going to be an introduction to the program that I could put people on. Uh, it's going to be about 16 weeks long. And the, the reason I haven't said it 16 weeks is because after 16 weeks, you'll realize that you won't need me anymore and you could put it, put it in your own terms and perspectives. But I think there's some things that you, that you need to, that people need to go through the steps that are important first, but uh, it's not a cookie cutter program. It's going to be 100% individualized um, to everybody's needs and wants. Cause some people might be in better shape, but still have problems. There's always ways to work through everything. So uh, that's what's coming big next from Jay Anxious. That is amazing. I do have one more question for you. Um, but Shoot. is there anything else that you want to say or put out there before that last question? Um, find out what works for you. Like I always say, accept where your life is. Uh, get, get, and then get uncomfortable. Put yourself out there in the positions that you know you should be in. Um, don't be afraid to, like you said, have a, have a burger without the bun. You know, that's the right way to go about it. Don't be afraid to tell people that you're doing something different than them. Yes, you might lose some friends. Yes, some people might not be happy with the choices that you're making, but make sure you know that you are doing it for you, and you can't help anybody else until you can help yourself first. So don't be afraid to do that. You can't worry about everybody else all the time. Sometimes you got to focus on yourself to get other things right. That's what I would say. Cool. What would you like for your personal legacy to be that one person would call me one day out of the blue and say you helped me and you didn't even know it (laughs) one that's all i would need that's awesome this has been awesome i really appreciate your time uh hit me up when you get your podcast started I, i look forward to it will do will do thank you very much tucker